Non, c'est ce que je disais. Oui, moi, c'est bâté, c'est de la blague. Après tout, tout est beau. Il n'y a qu'à s'intéresser aux choses et les trouver belles. The time has come. Catherine Bigelow! This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil? <laughs> Did he spoil me? I remember quite clearly, it was 1946, and I was four years old, my mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. Michelangelo Antonioni. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. Three artists. In the presentation of the Palm d'Or, Adele, Leia, and Abdel Abdel Kinshi. Y'all have to. Aquí el lado de Lily Joy. Estudio. Hi everybody, welcome to the Filmotomy podcast, episode 29. And on this week's podcast, we're going to be discussing remakes. And the reason for this is, um, well, we're just doing our sort of Coen Brothers week, and. Um, the Coen brothers have shown us how to do a successful remake through uh, True Grit, but they have also shown us how not to do a, a remake uh, with the Lady Killers. And um, I thought this would probably be an interesting sort of time for us to discuss the remake in general because I always love <laughs> going through and be like, why did they remake that? How did that happen? And then sometimes being pleasantly surprised when a, a remake works. So today it's just myself, B. Garner, and, and Rob, um, who's joining me. Hi, Rob. Hi there. So um, I think Hollywood has always had this thing about remakes, hasn't it, Rob? Well, it's a business, you know, it's so it's going gonna, it's gonna to always come back to, hey, we can do that again because people <laughs> will go and see it. So I think that it's a lot it's a lot of that but you also have just filmmakers who love a movie so much they ha- they want to do a remake or I mean the the one that comes to mind you know the most obvious example is Gus Van Sant doing Psycho shot by shot remake and it's like and Quentin Tarantino being like it's better than the original I'm like so yeah, I mean it's it's a business, and so you run into that, but it it seems to have perpetuated itself a lot over the last twenty years, especially. Yeah, I've noticed that. Like the every, I mean, I was just looking, and we've got quite a few remakes coming out. Um, that Suspiria sounds like it's going to be quite good, but also at Cannes, Fahrenheit four five Fahrenheit four five one has just been yeah. shown now, I believe. And that's obviously a remake. I was just thinking, like, the film Ben-Hur is a good example of a film getting remade time and time again. It started mm-hmm. off, the first original one was in 1912, then they remade it in 1925, once, you know, they had, technology had advanced, and then they remade it in the 1950s. And then I'm not sure if they remade it. They must have done. Like, there was a remake a couple of years ago, so they must have, they can't get from the 50s up until, like, 2014. They must have remade it during that time. 
But I think sometimes maybe remakes of certain stories are necessary in a way because as technology advances and like CGI advances, maybe they can then sort of do more with the story. Well, I mean, the and, and another another like popular example for that is Shakespeare, right? It's like how many times has have Shakespearean plays been redone or remade or or, or like you know modernized? You know, with ten things I hate about you. I know Shakespeare's a dead white guy, but he knows his shit, so we can overlook that. Um, Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet, or you know, so I mean, you have so many different examples of that as well. Um, and and yeah, you you get benefits of of retelling those stories. Uh, I, I think it was Macbeth came out a couple years ago with uh, Michael Fassbender yeah, and yeah. Uh, Mar- uh, Marion Cotillard. Don Quixote. Uh, like that, and that was really visually an interesting way to tell that story. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that there is a, uh, I think that there is benefit to sort of revisit these stories. Outside of that, it's just kind of up to, like, the artist to get it right, I think, because you do have a lot of crap that comes out. Stuff like RoboCop, like, that doesn't need to be remade, I think, no. even though, if I can be honest, I actually like the remake, <laughs> so it's, you know, I'm, I'm sort of guilty. Let's just, before we get into, like, unpicking, like, we've chosen, like, the good, the bad, and the unfor- uh, unnecessary as, you know, mm-hmm. for our remakes, yeah. what is your sort of guilty pleasure remake? Um, probably be like Last Man Standing, starring Bruce Willis, uh, directed by Walter Hill. And it's not it's not really polished. You know, it seems like they were working on a, a minimal budget. And in a lot of ways, it, it almost seems like a TV movie, you know, from like the 50s or something. Because it's just a very simple storyline of a man sort of like in the middle between these two warring gangs. And he's, you know, kind of playing them against each other and he gets caught in the middle and, you know, there's this, you know, there's this beautiful woman at the center of it. So um, it's a very basic sort of like crime, you know, noirish storyline, but um, it sort of combines like Western and, mm. and noir elements. So um, I would probably pick that one. I, I like it a lot, but it's just super, super basic. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I think sometimes those type of stories are very simplistic and I think it's not really about the story it's more about what the filmmaker can do Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know uh, how they can put a different spin on it I was just thinking I know it's not many people would say it's actually a bad remake but I kind of enjoyed Rod Zombie's Halloween in a way Mm -hmm. yeah I I thought the start of it was actually quite interesting with him following like um, you know, uh, Michael Myers for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and then, then it kind of lost me. I kind of liked the sort of the making of a monster type of thing. I thought, yeah. oh, okay, this is actually quite clever, but then it just kind of, I don't know whether he was like, oh, actually, wait, yeah, I'm, this is a remake, and there was the rest of the Halloween film. Uh, I spent like hour uh, already on this the start of this character <laughs> i really should follow right. it up like finish it wrap it all up but i know yeah. that that's quite a probably a lot of people will be like what the hell how can i'm not saying that it's good i'm just saying that it's interesting what it, what he was trying to do but you know. yeah I, I i have problems with the original and as well as the remake but i i 
I would probably say I like the remake more. Um, but what's interesting is that that movie is getting a remake this fall. Uh, there's a there's a hol- Halloween. I guess they're doing either a remake or a sequel. I'm not sure what it is technically, but it's directed by uh, it's David a, a Gordon. Re- a reboot of a sequel of a reimagining of a prequel. <laughs> yes. But um, it's being directed by David Gordon Green, who hasn't done, I mean, he hasn't done super well-known stuff. It's supposed to be somewhat of a of a legitimate director taking on the uh, a classic horror story. So um, we'll see how it turns out. But yeah. um, it's gotten John Carpenter's thumb of approval, apparently. So it'll oh. be interesting to see if it turns out, uh, turns out decent, but you never know. No. Well, I suppose there will always be an audience because, you know, the Halloween films have got such a cult following and, you mm-hmm. know, there's a gazillion of them or some 10 or I don't know how many. I've lost count. But the, yeah. the, I guess that's why films do get remade is because there's an inbuilt audience already there. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have people who like to you know, original, and then think, ah, okay, um, I'll go and see it. Maybe it'll be different. I'll see what they've done. So that's already, like, the audience ready-made for them. They don't really have to even do much marketing. They can just put, like, oh, yeah, we're doing another Halloween remake or Scream is getting remade or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it plays right into the conversation we just had last week with the B-movie because, you know, horror really comes from the the B-movie, that kind of genre. And, you know, the the thing with with horror sequels, it's like, oh, hey, it's sold, you know, X amount of dollars. Let's just do that again. Mm -hmm. People will go, you know, go back to it. And it's like you sort of. I don't know. It sort of becomes formulaic and tired. And I mean, that's probably why I'm so burnt out on the horror genre that even now new, newer movies are just, I'm just like, okay, where's the jumps? Okay. There's the jump scare. And you know, so, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's so. Well, let's start off being a bit positive. (laughs) I know that we haven't really started it off positive. We've been a bit like, Remake screw. Um, but <laughs> let's talk about um, a good remake. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was yourself who chose this one. So do you want to lead the way? Yeah, absolutely. So um, 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers is my pick for the best remake of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I mean, the original is really good. Um, the Directed by Don Siegel, starring uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, it's really good, and, and it's it was timely for the red scare that was going on with, uh, you know, socialism and yeah, Joseph McCarthy yeah. and the blacklist and all of, all of that. Um, but the, the remake is, is set in like the end of the seventies where we've gone through Vietnam and we've dealt with sort of not trusting, uh, government institutions as much as we have in the past. And yeah, certainly as we do gates. currently. And, um, there's just this really creepy paranoid vibe that, uh, just, I don't know, it, it pervades, like, the entire movie, and you just, uh, as, as like, more and more people are becoming, you know, uh, taken over, you, it just grows and grows, and the atmosphere just gets more tense and more, uh, you just feel the dread in the environment, and um, there's one scene in particular where, uh, you know, Donald Sutherland is uh, at the party, you can just see all of these leering, like, uh, like leering party goers just staring 
at the sort of building hysteria of the woman's sort of, you know, sort of saying that her husband isn't her husband anymore. And it's just, it's so unbelievably creepy. And it just evolves into madness from there. And just, uh, I think the subtext is so interesting. It's sort of like the the collective sort of swallowing the individual. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no room for individual thought. There's no room for individual, you know. And certainly we can see some um, modern connections to that yeah. uh, kind of narrative now. So I, yeah, I really love it. And to me, that is the, like the scariest kind of horror movie is the one where you like lose who you are. You don't have any any say in in free thought or choice, and yeah, that so that was just very a very harrowing film, um, and and a really really good remake. Yeah, and I think what is what's good about it is it takes the story but it ex- expands on it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not just a shot by shot remake. It, you know, this it takes what worked in the original film, and updates it for what's happening in the society at the time because there was you know like i said the watergate scandal was going on you know vietnam and uh race riots and just the general atmosphere of the society at the time and it really Mm. it built on that and it, it incorporated all that into the film's plot and it really worked in in terms of not being just purely horror and on jump scares and more of building the actual atmosphere and it's very it's a film that makes you feel very sort of uncomfortable and unsettled and the ending especially is just probably one of the best endings in in cinema in terms of films invasion of the body snatchers has been remade in 2010 i believe with Nicole Kidman, and it was just called The Invasion. Right, Invasion with, yeah. Yeah, don't know why they decided to drop the body snatchers. It's a bit bizarre. But that's what they do with Hollywood. They, like, they're doing the the Predator film, and they've just put, instead of Predator, they put The. So now it's like, The Predator. They (laughs) always do that. Like, even drop drop the the in order to remake it or add a the to it uh, it's just it's just well back in 2010 it was predators <laughs> oh yes i forgot the yeah robert rodriguez movie i think yeah they have to add it make it plural you know like aliens or something <laughs> yeah but i think what i like about invasion of body snatchers is that i, I want it to get remade today properly because I yeah. think it could do with uh, being taking what's happening in our society at the moment, you know, with terrorism, with um, you know, trolling on the internet, the whole you know Me Too movement and everything, and people being paranoid and etc. etc. I think it's well, it's sort of like groupthink and sort of escaping from what everybody is telling you to think and actually thinking for yourself and sort of coming to your own conclusions. I mean, that's been a prevalent theme throughout science fiction for, you know, 80 years. And there's a reason because throughout history, people have been, you know, manipulated or whatever into sort of, you know, being part of the mob and being part of the collective and sort of taking over the individual. So I, uh, I, I feel really strongly about it, which is probably why it terrifies me so much, but uh, I absolutely agree. Well, I think, uh, 
I don't know whether it would be remade properly now. Yeah. Because at the time that it was remade in the 70s, it had, you know, Hollywood was different to how it is now. And it's more corporate now. It's more, you know, you've got the studios and everything. I don't think it could be effectively remade. Is there any other good remakes that you think have worked? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there are. Um, I really like the thing. I know yeah. uh, we talked about that a little bit. Um, certainly, I think that's that's a popular one um, that people like. You know what? I'm going to just say it. I liked Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I don't care what anyone says. I think it's a good remake. Um, the Departed is technically a remake because of Infernal Affairs. The I think it's a Korean film. Yeah, so there are def- definitely um, a couple. I mean, a couple examples of where it's been done well. Um, it's just usually it usually isn't the case though. I mean, they're talking about remaking The Godfather, and I'm like, no. why would you ever do that? You know, why would you ever do? No, okay. So in my opinion, there are a few films that should not be remade. And yeah. I, I will just list these quickly. Uh, the Godfather, no. <laughs> uh, Casablanca, no. Citizen Kane, no. No. And Taxi Driver, no. Those are like off limits to me i don't know how you can though it's just that those films are so loved and appreciated and i would say that most films don't need to be remade like i don't want to see a remake of north by northwest i don't want to see a remake of chinatown even though like there there definitely you can tell that people have an influence by these things you know they they make it a different story or they change it a little bit or you know i mean la confidential has its bones in chinatown maybe that's because Jerry Goldsmith scored both of those movies. Uh, I, but I mean, I just think it's a sort of an L.A. neo-noir, both of them. So, so yeah, I mean, there, you can you can certainly pay an homage. You, we see that all the time because mm-hmm. we watch so many movies and it's like, oh, that's a clear nod to Kubrick or that's a clear nod to, um, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Antonioni or mm-hmm. Kurosawa. So I, I definitely think that you have a lot of that as well. There are some films that I just don't think could be remade because of the political climate change. You know, I'm thinking Vertigo, you know, which is obviously very sort of uh, a film about... Um, well, Watching. Yes, yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, the abuse of a woman and, uh, uh, you know, that sort of thing and male obsession and I guess I hate using the term, but toxic masculinity. I can't imagine anyone wanting to remake Freaks, for example. You know, that would just mm-hmm. not be able to, to pass. Um, and there's films which are just not needing a remake. I mean, what could you add to the Godfather fi- like film, the story? The You know, you can't really go back to the source material because, frankly, I don't know if you've read the book, but the book's pretty trashy so there's not much Mm -hmm. there you can take away from it uh and you know those characters have been well loved i don't think you could get anyone to do um a performance like you know al pacino's and marlon brando's it's just impossible but i think they just feel like maybe they just put that out there and see how public's reaction would be uh, a star is born is being re- remade at the moment and i think that's a story that 
can get remade time and time again. Because yeah. it's almost like a, a, like the same with sort of My Fair Lady. It's a story that is can be updated. Well, the time the mu- there there's certain types of musicals that are sort of timeless, and that's why they're. I mean, they they play time and time again. I think on Broadway, and um, we see their their movie uh, counterparts from time to time. Um, and A Star Is Born, I think, has has three three has been remade three times already, and this will be the fourth one. But it, it is a great story. I, I, I'm I'm more or less skeptical because of the people involved and the the modern slant that they're putting on it. Which again, it does, I mean, if you're if you're a good storyteller, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I'm just a little I'm a little skeptical of that, and um, just kind of, kind of connecting that Bohemian Rhapsody, which is the uh, Freddie Mercury Queen biopic that's coming out uh, at the end of the year as well. But um, but no, I mean, I think that there is there is a certain type of musical that is able to be replicated time and again and is and resonates with people. Um, it's funny that I say that because, I mean, that's the reason Casablanca has lasted so long because it continues to resonate with people. But I definitely don't, don't, don't think that that would benefit from a remake. So it sort of is interesting to look at, look at like, why maybe that doesn't work. But... Um, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, um, so we've done good. Now it's time to get bad. Um, so I'm quite interested in your picks. So I picked Scarface, 1983, uh, directed by Brian De Palma, because I've never been able to really get into the movie. Uh, it's kind of a mess. Okay, fuck you. How's that? You know, it's very colorful. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's a great, I mean, there is a great use of montage and constructing a movie but as a whole i just feel like the entire movie just it, it's so big and messy fuck you and al pacino's performance while i have to commend him on committing is just ridiculous fuck you i can't i mean i just cannot take tony montana seriously fuck you i do appreciate its parallels to the original uh the original movie 1932 you know, one of the original great gangster movies of the genre. You know, the the rise to power, the sort of uh, insane and manic. You become the more power you obtain. You sort of lash out recklessly because you have, you feel like you have nothing to lose when, in fact, you have so much to lose. So, I mean, I, I do appreciate uh, De Palma's sort of film history, sort of wanting to line up as a modern-day parallel for the 1980s. Um, you know, inserting, inserting, you know, cocaine for alcohol, you know, the prohibition. So uh, really, really interesting backdrop. It just never really gelled for me without all the pageantry and without all the color and everything. It really is the same story, except that it's an hour and a half longer than the original. <laughs> it almost comes out to three hours. And so, again, I, I get what he was trying to do. I just it just never worked for me totally. It's just because I think it's been like. Quoted so often, uh, yeah. Um, you know, parodied quite a lot as well. You know, so like, say hello to my little friend. Right. Um, <laughs> what makes the original so much better from? Yeah, well, I think that first of all, uh, just and I just watched it recently, but the violence is very cold and just like it just you it leaves you there kind of thing where it's just like you see a guy, you know, the gangster shadow come, you know, black and white gangster shadow come up behind this, you know, this window and just say hi and then literally gun down somebody with two shots just and co- and leaves and just this cold and and sort of uh, lifeless like 
feeling uh, that you're left with. And then, you know, whereas in Scarface, not the Brian De Palma's version, it's so bloody, it's so violent. Um, and there's a lot of bravado behind it. There's a lot of like what I call shit talking. You know, there's this huge ego behind it. And I mean, there's ego behind Paul Mooney in the original, but it's, you know, in that sort of classic gangster talk way, you know, almost film noir talk, mm. um, you know, and, and I mean, they're both sort of irrational, irrationally driven by power. But yeah, the, I would I would just say the original is much more effective at, at telling a story. Um, I mean, it's it's very basic in a 1930s way. It's, you know, shot um, on the street and sound stages and things like that. But the characters are much more grounded. You know, they're not they're not kind of uh, fantastically pursuing. I, I mean, the levels of wealth that you that you see in in, in the sequel Scarface 1983. So, well, it's kind of like they are. Um... I guess in the 1930s version, they were just trying to get by um, right. and sort of survive and, um, you know, make money any way they can. But mm-hmm. in in the 80s version, it's, you know, it's all about greed, isn't it? It becomes like bigger. Excess. And excess, yeah, and more and yeah. more. But maybe that's because of the times. Yeah. You know, um, that's a reflection of times and maybe our issue is looking back as you know being generation y is that we we see that and you know we can't really connect with the generation x type of lifestyle that they were having um i don't know whether it's a societal thing and a generation thing but for me my pick is quite hard because i I try and steer clear of watching remakes because I, especially if it's original that I love, but mm-hmm. um, I came across, I unfortunately have watched a Wicker Man remake. Oh gosh, okay. What, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh no, not the beast! Uh, yeah, oh gosh, where do I even begin? Not the beast! Ah! Oh, my eyes! Well, the original film is is a British horror film, and it, it's a bit of a cult classic, and um, it, it taps into we have a lot of like Wiccans and um, that sort of uh, witchcraft kind of thing. Witchcraft, yeah, we have like the druids and everything, like the whole mm-hmm. Stonehenge, and you know, right, going there and attending and doing all the rituals and everything. It's very into our. Um, history. mythology yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's there is a um a good film that taps into that which I will just quickly recommend, which is called The Kill List. The original Wicker Man works on that, and it's about a, a a policeman who comes from the big city, you know that type of thing. He's outsider, mm-hmm. and he comes to this island, which I believe is in off Scotland, to f- find a missing missing girl you know the remake's just taken that story and has twisted it but what makes the original so good is that sort of 70s druggy trippy lsd type of thing it's got going to it like very Mm -hmm. surreal and you know like not trusting people and like devil worship and cults and everything and you know, beautiful women sort of getting naked for no reason and trying to seduce you and stuff. It's all very weird. 
and has like I say such an iconic ending you know where he wakes up in the giant wicker man uh, I'm not ruining it because basically the ending is if you've seen the poster the ending is there on the poster you know he's the wicker the wicker man's burning and he's trapped inside it and why they the everybody on the island is part of this weird cult and they're all dancing around him and you know it's very uh, a story about being an outsider and coming into a environment that you you, you know you, you don't know and it's it just has that see you see what I'm saying yeah. Bianca Garner just said that the Wicker Man is a better film than Get Out because Get Out was a remake of The Wicker Man. Think about it. <laughs> he was well, an outsider. <laughs> yeah. I suppose, I'm so. kidding. I'm just no, kidding. But yeah. It's... I know what you're saying though. It's kind of like the same sort of story. <laughs> so everything that's great about the first, uh, the original, is not in the remake. <laughs> of it, course. It just ruins it. And it's so weird. This, the tone of the remake is very ru- weird. Um, it was just the, the acting, and I, I know that Nicolas Cage does like to and act strange. You bitches! You bitches! But some of it's really weird, like the fact that he punches a woman in the face, and it's just like, what? What's going on? This is murder! Murder! Um, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's so bad. And yeah, it's, it's you know it turns it takes what was great about the original was not because it relied on jump scares and spooky people and, and weird monsters and everything it was very much about paranoia and psychological horror and oh, it's just awful it's just awful they took everything and I don't get it Like, why did they decide to remake it how to get burned? How to get burned? I, how to get burned? How to get burned? And the fact that it's bees as well, it has nothing to do <laughs> with what <laughs> the original film was. So there are no bees in the original? Is that what you're telling no, me? No, there's no bees in the original. <laughs> and it's not set in America, it's set in England and in Scotland. You know, it just feels very weird and just pointless. And. I guess that brings us on to our unnecessary remakes. So, do you have a remake that you deem completely unnecessary? Maybe The Wiz. (laughs) I don't know if that's if that counts, but um, that's the Wizard of Oz remake. Yeah, with Michael Jackson and like Diana Ross, and yeah, the the like the the remake of it or whatever that came out in the eighties. I only know about it from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, really? That's funny. <laughs> I didn't even know. I had to look it up. And I was like, what is the, f-? you know, when they do the musical episode and they're talking about the whiz. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is the whiz? And I looked it up and I was like, wait a second, they they remade what? <laughs> I, no, but seriously, it just has a, like, it has such a terrible reputation. And I don't know if it's because the the original is such a classic uh like a classic film of the like, mm. golden age of hollywood 
or if it's because like the whiz was like a, i don't i mean i don't even know if it was like a tv movie i don't know <laughs> i just have stayed away from it at all costs uh, it just seems a bit weird to me do they have all the same songs or do i need to know see i think it was supposed to be like a like a like motown um like musical kind of thing take on the wizard of oz and that's why i think um i don't know that's why i think that that they decided to ultimately do it or thought it would work but i mean when like arthur came out with russell brand in 2011 that was one that i was like okay i was kind of expecting this to be funny because russell brand has been funny in, in some stuff but it's not it's okay i don't get it like it just wasn't it wasn't very good and it didn't keep my attention too much I was um, about to say, like, comedy remakes are terrible. Like, the Pink Panther remake mm-hmm. with Steve Martin. It's like, you can't do it because Peter Sellers was so good in those films. Uh, and with his just, like, his body, like, he incorporated a lot of slapstick into it. And I don't... And the, oh, it's just some really weird humour in the remake. And I, I was just thinking, nobody is there going, oh... I love the Pink Panther movie, but it'd be great if it was set in modern day. <laughs> and, I mean, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was one that I just didn't really care for because I love the original so much, mm. and the remake by Tim Burton just wasn't for me, I guess. But Yeah, it's really bizarre as well. Like, it makes yeah. me feel very, like, <clears throat> it's just meant to be for children. Like, the whole um, Johnny Depp's performance. Yeah. Is I, I believe he said he was. It's funny that we've gone from the Wiz to Johnny Depp because uh, Johnny Depp said he based his Willy Wonka of Michael Jackson. <laughs> of course, Tim Burton did remake Planet of the Apes as well. Let's, you know, I really feel like he needs to stop remaking films. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and he is a favorite director of mine when I was a kid. Like, his first three uh, features were prominent in in my mind um beetlejuice uh batman and uh edward scissorhands so um i i definitely have a, a good a good a good soft spot for him but um it's been a while since he's done something good i would say probably i mean i i thought big eyes was okay but um but really before that big fish is yeah. probably the last yeah but yeah Mm. And yeah, don't even get me started on those Alice in Wonderland movies. So, yeah. um, anyway, well, my unnecessary pick was you, we briefly spoke about it at the start of this this podcast, um, mm. and that was Psycho. Oh my god, I had to turn it off. I started watching <laughs> it, and I got I just was like the moment that Vincent Vaughn turns up, uh, Vincent mm-hmm. Vaughn, and he starts doing his sort of Norman Bates so I was just like no oh, boy. oh Jesus nope. Christ what, what is going on here Why? <laughs> and I did watch the shower scene and to be fair there are certain elements to it which I quite liked of the film like mm-hmm. um, Julian Moore's in it and I really liked her and um, Vigo Mortensen's in it uh, and he's yeah. great and uh, William H. Macy's the detective in it. Um, but it, they can't save this film. Like, yeah. it's just an abomination. Like, mm-hmm. so weird. Like, it just doesn't feel right to me. And I think it's because I'm, I love Psycho so much and I'm always associated with being in black and white. 
I don't understand why you would need to remake the original movie and not go back and work from the book because the book is actually a, a lot different from Hitchcock's version. So you could have gone and made like a faithful, you know, adaptation from the book. You didn't have to go back and, sh you know, do a shot by shot. And it is literally a shot by shot. Remake. Which makes no sense to me because it's like you're saying, hey, I really I respect the the uh, original artist so much that I'm not changing a frame. I'm not changing anything, but I'm make I'm making it and putting my name on it. What the fuck? What are you directing? Like, what are you? You're cop literally copying somebody else's work. And again, I like Gus Van Sant. I think he's a talented director. I liked, yeah. you know, I liked Finding Forrester and Goodwill Hunting. Well, the reason for him apparently remaking it was because he thought that audiences, like younger audiences, wouldn't appreciate the the original because it was in black and white. Hmm. Okay. But I don't know whether that's just a, a lame excuse, but it feels kind of like. Um, I don't know, uh, insulting to younger audiences. You know, it's like, oh well, you you know, you obviously not going, can't appreciate films in black and white. So let's remake them in color. You know. Yeah. And I'm glad that didn't catch on because there are so many great black and white films which would look awful in color because they were, they. The reason that they work so well is because they use shadow and light so effectively. You know, it's bit like imagine so many film noirs would not work if they were in color. I don't. Right. Know. You know, um, and I just want to say like Vince Vaughn. It's so weird. Like the weirdest choice for a character like Norman Bates. No, when you think of like Anthony Perkins, is so good in that role. Yeah, he's so believable, and you buy into it, and he's so vulnerable and but creepy at the same time, and you don't expect the ending. I feel like we can spoil the end, right? Like everybody's seen Psycho, haven't they? Yeah. If you haven't heard, if you haven't seen Psycho, then please. I feel like this has been a spoiler-filled episode. It has been remade really kind of makes me a bit bitter. I don't know, angry. I'm, I'm very frustrated about it. And I don't think it does, the remake does nothing to expand on the original. No, it doesn't mm -hmm. try to make it any different. Like I said, it's pretty much a shot by shot. A watch, the shower scene is, apart from a bit more blood, which kind of did nothing for me. Like it was right. more, sh it was less shocking, less impactful because we see him so. You know, we see blood all the time. You know, it's all very cartoonish now. You know. So let's go into Twitter. So I asked our lovely people at Twitter, what film would you like to see remade? Uh, Aaron Charles, um, who is beginning one of our new writers, big shout out to him, said, um, Glenn Gary. Glenn Ross would be great being remade. Um, I would actually love to see that remade. Yeah, that's yeah. that's actually one of my favorite movies. Um, even I mean, it's not it's not necessarily a great movie because it's a play basically. But well, what the fuck are you babbling about? I really I really like the dialogue. I think it's really sharp. Harris uh, Dang um, said, "Face Off." 
but he would like to see it with women instead. Yeah, um, I, I hate that movie. I mean, I just hate that movie so much. It's so unbelievably bad. It's all that comes out of your mouth is bile. It's, it's, like, um, it's like a B movie, but that was given a lot of money. I've, I would personally <laughs> love to see that get remade with women. Uh, yeah. I think that could be great. Um, Travis Glover said, uh, Last Action Hero and Logan's Run. Hmm. Which I um, thought they were making a remake of Logan's Run. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd be on board as long as, you know, the, the right people were behind it. Um, I did like Last Action Hero when I was a kid. Like, it was definitely an entertaining movie. Um, but it's a little, mo- I don't know, it also feels like, like, if I, if I didn't know any better, I would say it's a Disney-owned movie. Because it's, it's a little, it's a little cartoony. Great to have the rock in. Um, yeah. And then I said to, over to people, what is the worst remake? Um, we we had the Wicker Man come up quite a few times. Oh, no, not the beast! Um, Bill Cummings um, said Psycho, um, which I've discussed. Matthew St. Clair also said Psycho. See, I'm not the only one. Um, Lucy Goes to Hollywood said Halloween. Um, Hmm. You know, like I said, I have my problems with it. Um, Yeah. Kate Brown said Stepford Wives, and which I completely forgot they remade, and I loved it. Yeah, original, so good. And the day the Earth stood still. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, that really should have been mine because I love the original. But mm. uh, yeah, I, I actually have not seen the remake because I heard it was so bad. So yeah. I might, I might catch it someday. But. Um, Ryan at the Film Buff ninety six said Karate Kid. Again, I, oh, the 2010. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jaden Smith, I think is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Poor kid. He like needs a better agent. Oh, well, or better acting lessons, you know. Yeah. True. <laughs> um, Evil Dead said Jonathan Powell. Um, uh, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. It's yeah, it's not that great. Um. We also had Cabin Fever. I didn't realise they had remade that. Yeah. Uh, Chris Watts said Alfie. Uh, a remake that fundamentally didn't understand what made the original so interesting groundbreaking. Yeah, that's a good point. And then Brett Greer said um, Cabin Fever, The Haunting, and House on a Haunted Hill. Which yeah. uh, I kind of liked, actually, the... Um, remake. The remake. It's kind of bad in that sort of, you know, when 90s films were just ridiculous. And then I then said, what's a good remake in your opinion? So um, Steve John uh, Dohu said, uh, taking of Pel- Pelham 123. Hmm. Um, also, Freaky Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Aaron. <laughs> said The Parent Trap, which was one of my favourite films growing up as a kid. Hold on a second. How much do you want there to be a a remake of American Psycho? Oh, um, well, I would like there to be like a true adaptation from the novel. Wow. I don't know how much that you can do that. I don't know if it would have to be a miniseries on TV because the book is so packed with like his consciousness um, I don't know if you could do like a two, two and a half hour movie on that. Maybe you can. 
and then to show all like literally to show um that kind of violence is pretty like even now people are like no um so is there any other films that you feel should be remade I mean, I I kind of pine for a type of like a type of crime movie from the seventies. Um, Miller's Crossing. I was just watching this for the the Coen Brothers, uh, you know, Ten Days of the Coen Brothers, um, and it reminded me of like a seventies movie, like that was, mm. you know, sort of about like about pro- prohibition era, like gangster movie. But you know, I mean, even some of like some of those like grittier westerns, we haven't had like a really good western in a long time. It's mm. kind of a, a dead genre. Um, um, although the so, I mean, brothers did bring us true uh, grit, yeah. So, <laughs> but I, I tell you what film I would like remade from the seventies. Actually, a couple. Um, just to quickly wrap this up, um, mm-hmm. I feel Network could be remade now. Yeah, yeah. Quite easily, uh, I think it would be remade remade quite effectively, especially if it was based around Twitter. You know. Uh, and like Snapchat or something where it's all sort of uh, shared and goes viral and everything and you know becomes bigger and spawns across the globe rather than just America Uh, whether it would work uh, whether people would really sort of understand it whether the message would get through or whether it would be a bit too gimmicky I'm not too sure, but if it was done in, in you know, the right hands, it could work. Um, yeah. I also feel like Three Days of Condor could work, especially yeah. now with, like, uh, you know, Edward Snowden and, and, you know, WikiLeaks and all that type of thing. There, mm-hmm. there does need to be more of the conspiracy type of film, but, again, is that too sensitive? So, um... I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. I know it's been a bit, it might be a bit of a weird one, um, but we kind of like discussing things that don't often really we get a chance to discuss. And remakes are always a good thing to get the sort of discussion going. So if you uh, disagree or agree with us, let us know. We do really appreciate your sort of feedback it's great and uh as always you can check us out at our site www.filmotomy.com we've got uh exploring the year 1983 and all the wonderful movies that came out in that year i wonder how many of those have been remade Uh, (laughs) um 